All things beautiful. All things beautiful. Somebody say, all things beautiful. Wow. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord right here. Right into it. But before we do, I have a very deep theological question to ask you. How many weeks? It's a deep question I have, and you think I'm doing it like an opening act. I really am interested. How many weeks can you possibly have Thanksgiving leftovers? I mean, honest to goodness, I heard people go like two, three weeks this morning in the service. I went, are you kidding me? What's the max? Let's all agree. You said four days? Someone in one of the services this morning, they were going into weeks. Like, is that healthy? What? That's what she said. She said, we freeze it. But I don't care if you freeze it. I don't care if you put it in Alaska and Antarctica. Really? All I'm saying, all of y'all who have, all of you who are planning on eating Thanksgiving leftovers for Christmas. Let's talk after the service. We need to pray. We need to pray. Please look at your neighbor and look at him and say, for whatever reason, I'm not judging you, but there's more glory upon your life. There it is. Beautiful. Those that know, know. Those that know, know. What heaven starts, hell cannot stop. I'll repeat that. What heaven starts, hell cannot stop. Holy troublemakers. Are there any holy troublemakers in the house? The ecosystem of change. Show up, speak up, and stand up. I love this. It is the invisible plurality, the audible name, and the, and the visible fire. One more time. The invisible plurality, the audible name, and the visible fire. You're going to get this in a moment. All we're doing is dissecting Elijah. I need my actors. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome the best false prophets anywhere. Come on up, guys. Come on. <laughs> best false prophets ever. Please follow them on Instagram and hashtag false prophet. That usually works. Get your numbers up. This really happened. And it's not just four. 850 plus about 100 worshipers, band. They came along, cut themselves. The dancers really happened. 950, 951. And then it happened. Then the hundreds of thousands of Israelis on Mount Carmel. But it's 850 of the false prophets plus the king. Against one guy right here. This is the way you look. This is like the old school version of West Side Story. The Jets are going to have their day tonight. Right here. Right here. This is it. One guy. This really happened. In the most pivotal moment in Israeli history back then in the Old Covenant. Everything was falling apart. There was a deconstructive modality in place across the political, cultural, social, spiritual landscape. In other words, everything was going to hell in a handbasket. Things were bad, really bad. The leadership, and I mean all the influencers, politically, culturally, socially, and spiritually speaking, were advocating an agenda that ran counter to the word of God. It was full of lies and deception. It was immoral, incoherent with everything God established completely. And one guy stood up like this and says, enough is enough. I'm tired of this. Can't do it anymore. 
After three years in exile, he comes out of hiding. He comes out of being in exile. He shows up and he says, let's do this. Let's make something happen. We're going to do this on Mount Carmel. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sacrifice. Y'all get your bull. I'm going to get my bull. And we're going to sacrifice this stuff. But let's make things a bit more complicated. I'm going to let you go first. And you are going to call upon the name of your God. I'm going to call upon the name of my God. And the God that answers with fire, that's the real God. Let's see it. And the matter of fact, I love this. This is 1 Kings chapter 18. This is verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, am I the only prophet of the Lord who is left? Baal has 450 prophets. Asherah has 400. And, and, and man, this is a mismatch. For the human eye, this is a mismatch. So he comes along and says, you go first. Watch this. He says, I'm so confident like a boss that my God is the real God. I'm going to let you go first. You go first. Once you're done, you let me know I'll be waiting because then it'll be my turn. Someone here needs to get ready. I'm here to tell you the enemy already had his turn in your life. I'm here to tell you some of you have already been here. The enemy already had his turn. He gave you his best shot, and yet you're still here. He came against your family, your home, your peace, your mental health, your physical health, your financial health and well-being, your spiritual health, your faith. He came against your thoughts. He came against your atmosphere. He came against your children and your children's children. And yet, you're saying, are you done? Okay, you are done? Yeah. Now it's my turn. I need some of y'all to get ready. You're about to have the kind of season where you're about to stand up and say, all right, you already did your thing. You gave me your best shot, and now it's my turn. My God is about to show up in my life in such a Is anybody here ready for God to show up in your life? Anybody here ready for God to show up in your family and in your home and in your marriage and in your finances and in your destiny? God's about to show up. Somebody say, it's my turn now. But do it with a little bit of swag. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, yeah, it's my turn now. Matter of fact, if you really believe this, look at the other neighbor and tell him, yeah, enough is enough. The enemy had his turn. He had his chance. He hit me with his best shot. Now it's my turn. I'm about to see the glory of Jesus show up in my life for my life like I've never seen before. Somebody prays like you actually believe what you just said. Somebody shout, it's my turn now. But it's still, the optics of this is pretty horrific. One God. Just one guy right here. Right here. One guy. And by the way, the Bible says he dressed in a very awkward way. Make it up. His dress was unorthodox. His diet was unorthodox. Hence the John the Baptist comparison. He's totally weird dude, man. Because prophets are weird. And... And they are. <laughs> and because they hear things and see things. And it's like, okay. So he comes along and says, uh-huh, let's do this. But the optics of there's no way this guy could ever be that group. One plus God will always be greater than everything hell sends your way. It, to the human eye, it looked like one inevitable slaughter. To the human eye, it looked like there was no possible, logical, reasonable plausible way for Elijah to obtain victory, there's two words. But God. 
Somebody say, but God. But God. I, I don't want to be presumptuous. I just want to ask a couple of questions. Is there anyone here in this auditorium or online who can bear witness that in your life it looked impossible, but God? Anybody here? Is there anyone here who can testify that when all the doors closed in front of you, but God? Is there at least one person who can attest to the fact that you wouldn't even be here today if not for these two powerful words? But God. See, but God, when all the enemies of Elijah, and more importantly, of God's truth, did not understand, what they did not understand is the principle of one plus God will always be greater than anything and everything. Hell and life can send your way. One person carrying God's promises will always be greater than thousands of life's problems. One person full of faith will always be greater than all the forces full of fear. One person under the anointing of the Holy Spirit will always be greater than all the armies under hell's authority. How do we know this? The Bible says, Romans 8.31, a biblical scripture everyone should memorize. If God is who can never be, I'm here to tell you God is for you. No, you need to hear this right now. God is for you. Some of you are right here, right now, just like this. Some of you are here. This is your Mount Carmel moment. You're facing a bunch of different things. Isn't life crazy? Like sometimes you just don't face one thing. Have you ever been in a place where you're facing like a bunch of different things at the same time? Has anybody ever been there? Have you ever noticed like problems attract one another? Have you ever confronted just one problem? No. That one problem has a cousin. And then an uncle. And every problem has a mother-in-law. <laughs> Did I just say that? I that, that mean that. That's not a person. I promise it's not. It's not like us. <laughs> no, it isn't. I promise. If you're streaming, we love you. God bless you. That came out wrong. It's all about the context. It's context, honey. It really is. Oh, God help us. One. God is with you. Matthew 28, 20, God is in you. 1 John 2, 27, God is for you. Romans 8, 31, God is for your faith, your family, and your future. God is for your dream, your destiny, and your dominion. God is for you. And I want you to hear this right now. You need to hear it in your spirit, man. God is for you. God is not against you. Hey, what about the things I've done in my past? God is for you. God is for you. And, of course, we serve a multi-generational God. Therefore, you should really have a smile in, on your face because it's not, God is not just for you. He's for your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children. You and God will always be greater than anything hell can send your way. So here's the first point. Show up, speak up, stand up with God and God and for God. You and God will always be greater. Number two. Show up, speak up, and stand up with the name. This is what he said. Now bring two bulls. Here it is. Pay them on the altar. Do not set fire to it. Then call the name of your God. I will call the name of my God. And the God who answers will be the real God. Visualize for a moment. Imagine what took place on that day. A child of God versus all the advocates of ideology, social constructs, and worldviews full of lies, deception, and immorality. The quintessential Old Testament standoff. The rumble in the jungle. And Elijah looks at all his enemies, and he is so confident, he tells them, you go first. So this is a 21st century Mount Carmel moment. 
We, on one side, we have a lot of people, arguably, the majority of the world right now is worshiping Baal, Asherah, and the gods of the 21st century. Entire generations have been led astray, just like Jezebel, Ahab, and the people of Israel, worshiping the 21st century versions of Baal and Asherah, worshiping the god of a cancel culture, of sexual immorality, worshiping the god of relativism, of victimization, of fear, of offense, of unforgiveness, unbelief, worshiping the god of hatred, just hatred, and of even a rhetorical pornography of words that destroy of words that contaminate, of words that open up a portal for destructive behavior and action and living. That's called rhetorical pornography. That's the gods we serve right now, humanity. But praise be to God. Just like the days of Elijah, there is still what the Bible describes as a holy remnant that will not bow. When in the New Testament, there is an affirmation of an Old Testament story. We should pay attention. As Christians, we learn from the old, but we live according to the new. I need to repeat that. As followers of Jesus, we learn from the Old Testament, but we live according to the new. But when there is a passage in the New Testament that mentions by name an Old Testament story, we should pay attention. God is trying to get our attention. Romans chapter 11, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writing, verse 2. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? How he said, Lord, you, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. I alone am left, and they seek my life. What is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee of Baal. So too at the present time, there is a remnant that is chosen by grace. Oh, y'all miss that. We, we are not a social club. We are not a gathering group. We are not just an idea of, we are not just people adhering to a certain religious worldview. No, we are a holy remnant. The Bible says we are that, by the way, a remnant is a group of survivors, a few who have overcome intense adversity. We are not just any cup of tea. We are a holy remnant. That's why we can't continue to repeat the mantra, the world's going to hell. The next generation will be lost. Everything will get worse and worse, and it's inevitable will be destroyed. The enemy will have the final word. Oh, no, he will not. There's no way the devil can have a victory when there's still a holy remnant upon the face of the planet. Is there anybody here who's part of that holy remnant? No, is there anyone here who's... Is there a holy remnant that still believes that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that the righteous run into that name, and there they are saved? Is there a remnant that still believes that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved? Is there a remnant? Acts 2.21, Proverbs 18.10. They said, we have a name. He said, I have a name. They have a name. They had names. They had Asherah and they had Baal. And here's Elijah saying, go ahead. Give me your name. Go ahead. Give me your name. Give me your name. Whatever name you have, go ahead. Say your name. See if God shows up. Go ahead. Say your name. Baal. They literally did this. Baal. They started. And then when the yelling didn't work, there's a lot of yelling going out in society right now. There's a lot of yelling in the world. And this is coming from a yelling preacher. There's a lot of yelling going on in the world right now. There is. But the yelling is just so full of hatred 
and rancor and, and, and strife and discord and putting people down and, and canceling people and alienating people and, and, and just marginalizing people. That, that sort of rancor and hatred. No, man. But he said, go ahead, do your name. He started yelling their names, really. And, and I just ready. I mean, I can't wait to say the name. I can't wait to call upon the name, the name of my God, the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Oh, that name, that name, that name, that name, that name, that name. Go ahead, you go, go ahead. Say your name, say your name. Because Elijah knew he was part of a remnant, according to the Apostle Paul. He was part of a remnant. I love this, because he was part of a remnant that knew that his name was above those names. So go ahead. You know what we read right now? We need a holy remnant that will no longer be silent. We need a holy remnant that will stop being silent. Stop, be, stop being loud in church and silent in the world. <laughs> to be honest with you, we don't need you to come into conferences and, and auditoriums and church services on Sunday and go buck wild yelling up a storm when Monday through Saturday you put your mute button on and you let Jezebel and Ahab and Baal and Asherah, get away with murder. You're wasting your time. If you permit injustice, if you permit that to take place, on Sunday you're fired up. But on Monday through Saturday you're quiet and you're silent. You know what we need? We need a holy remnant. We need the kind of people that will come to church on Sunday, lift up the name of Jesus. And with that same anointing, they leave the auditorium and they get louder on Monday, louder on Tuesday, louder on Wednesday, louder on Thursday. Let me explain. There is a remnant that still believes that there is, there is a name above every other name. Philippians 2, let me read it. Verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of those, you didn't get that, I'm going to have to repeat that, rewind. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. That at the name of the name of Jesus, at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth. I love the specificity here. Of those underneath the earth. Oh, wow. And every tongue shall confess. You, I don't know if you understand. There is power in that name. There is authority in that name. No, 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 you need to understand that's not hype. Take it from a former evangelical agnostic. That's not hype. There is truly power in that name. It's not a magic formula. There is true power in that name. It's never been recorded in human history. If you, ever, that in the name of any other name, healings have taken place. Never been recorded. Never. Go ahead, do your due diligence. Never. Never in the name of any other God. Never in the name of Lenin and Hitler. Never in the name of Nietzsche. Never in the name of any philosopher. Never in the name of Locke or Socrates or Plato or Aristotle. Never in the name of Shakespeare. Never in the name of any of that has anyone ever been healed. But do you realize how many miracles have taken place? Some of you are in this auditorium right here, right now, because someone else dared to open up their mouth and say, in the name of Somebody praise that name and worship. Lift up that name. Glorify that name. Magnify that name. How many believe there's still power in that name? How many believe there's salvation in that name? 
There is deliverance in that name. There is breakthrough in that name. There is abundant life in that name. There is eternal life in that name. There is new life in that name. There is health in that name. There is holiness in that name. It is not just any name. It is the name above every other. Every other. Every other. Try it out. Try it out. Go somewhere. Confront something. Confront. I, I, confront. There are, the power of that name is crazy. It really is. It really is. This is crazy. The power of that name. The power of that name. Again, as an, an evangelical agnostic, which meant my mom made me go to church, but I didn't believe everything. Because I was just, it's my math mind. I doubted everything. Some of y'all have, uh, Pastor Ava, this is a story that she can attest to 100%, not made up. When there was a season when we first got married, and again, I, I was, I didn't believe everything I heard in church. I thought it, I thought it was crazy stuff. Because my math mind would say, this is just illogical, incoherent. Um, and I, I had a moment where God just had to show me some crazy stuff. So the only way to believe, I'm a Thomas. I'm less of a John, more of a Thomas. I got to touch, 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 and then I believe. So, so then I had this moment, a spiritual moment. It's in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, I have what it's called, what you would know as spiritual warfare. I had this, I can't explain it. Never happened before. It wasn't a dream because I, I was cognizant. I was conscious. I was cognizant of what was happening. So in the middle of the night, I couldn't breathe. And I know you're thinking it's acid reflux and asthma attack, bronchitis. I did the whole logical, linear, sequential medical evaluation. No, it wasn't that because when I looked up, it was dark in the room. I felt an entity literally holding my neck and, and something pressing on my feet. And I'm thinking, if this is my wife, first of all, we were honeymooners. I was going, I have a headache. And then the second line, honey, that's just too much. And then, I am human. And then, it wasn't that. It wasn't my wife. Honest to God, I'm, I'm thinking, what is this? I'm thinking, and then I felt my, this choking. I couldn't speak. And I'm going, Psychosomatic, Sam, you're smarter than this. There's nothing out there but your mind and your thoughts, and it got tighter. Now I really couldn't breathe. And I'm going, okay, you're dreaming, you're not dreaming. And, and, I, and I, then I did the not dreaming test. Nope, not dreaming. I go, holy cow, Batman, what is this? And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit just right there in me said, Samuel, this is it. This was my big first, first, first test, doing this in my life. Save me. So I said, Emma! That's <laughs> not what I said. God bears witness. I wouldn't, I, God forbid. I, I wouldn't use his name in vain, and I fear the Holy Spirit. I, I literally... Heard God in my mind, just go ahead, say it. And I'm thinking, okay. And he said, and, 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 and it wasn't even out loud. In my mind, because I couldn't talk. In my mind. But it, in the name of Jesus Christ, honest to goodness, every entity that was there, let me go just completely fled. 
completely fled. I felt the power of God fill me. And God said, I'm going to teach you of the authority in that name. And then the, Holy, then the Holy Spirit would teach me and say, Samuel, don't use my name in vain. Because you can't say here, Jesus. And then the next moment say, in the name of Jesus. So hold it sacred trust. Soon thereafter, I was a youth pastor back then. Soon thereafter, me and another guy from our church, beautiful young man, we went, we had this encounter. Another spiritual warfare. We had this young lady, young lady new to the church, so didn't know all the dynamics and particularities of manifestation. So she didn't have some sort of, uh, you know, pre-idea, so, so some sort of notion that's already embedded in her mind subconsciously that she's acting on. So she's brand new, has no notion. So I love that when that happens. Brand new Christian, baby Christian, walks up, so much bondage, actually not fully immersed in Christianity, not fully embracing the gospel, but struggling, visiting church with her friend. That, that young lady, I don't know how old she was, she starts to manifest. What does manifest mean? To me, I'm a pastor, my assistant youth pastor is here, he's like a football player, like a linebacker kind of guy. We go up there, this young lady starts going crazy. Starts going crazy like the strength was unbelievable. Stuff you would see on television. That's why I went like, oh, this stuff is real. This stuff is no joke. She starts manifesting. And by manifesting, she started doing things, physically speaking, that were impossible for a young lady of her height or her stature to do. Including picking up my friend. My associate youth pastor, who's like a linebacker. And I went like, oh, either that's the devil or steroids. And I don't think it's steroids right there. Um, and, and, and Jason, no offense about steroids. I just want to make sure we're fine. No, no, no offense. No offense. Um, stop it. Creatine. I'm sorry, Jason. It's creatine. So, so don't, pay attention. Here. Don't lose it. <laughs> so, so he lift, he, she lifts him up, and then, she, then he says, I come against you. True story. Um, she goes, he goes, she goes, I come he, he goes to her, I come against you right now. And she stops and says, you're coming against me? After what you did last night? So help me God. And then the demon started talking about stuff that he did. Oh, snap. <laughs> that boy turned away. And then the same God who showed me in my life said, Samuel, say the name. So I look at that demon-possessed, beautiful young lady who has great purpose in heaven. Great purpose for God. And I said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to who's inside of me. I go, I'm going to bypass you. I'm not talking to you. Shut up. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you who's inside of me. You, you, because this girl's beautiful. She has purpose. But you lying devil, she was an abused young girl, went through hell in her life. And those things emerge and manifest in bondage and in brokenness and in captivity. So I said, I come against you. Not in the name of our church, our youth group, but in the name of Sammy. I come against you in the sovereign, mighty. And she started yelling and saying, don't say the name. And I went, I'm going to say the name. I'm going to say it for you to hear it. In the name of Jesus Christ. At that very moment, everything that bound that girl left like this by the authority and the glory of heaven. She was completely set free. What am I telling you right now? 
There is power in the name of Jesus. We need a church that'll say the name of Jesus, that'll preach the name of Jesus, that'll worship the name of Jesus, that'll glorify and lift up the name of Jesus. We have to post about Jesus. We have to talk about Jesus, but not just with your words, with your testimony, because the Bible says that that is the name above every other name. It says it. It is the name above, the name that rules over, the name that has more authority than any other name. So you need to come in agreement that the name of Jesus is above COVID. The name of Jesus is above cancer. The name of Jesus is above every disease. The name of Jesus is above every sin, every failure, every heartbreak. It is the name above every other name. If you believe it, praise that name. You all say your names. Go ahead. And then we're going to come up and say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Let me finish with this. It's about the name. It's about the name. You all know the story. You've heard it a zillion times or you've seen it. For President Obama, I spoke at his presidential inaugural. I was invited. So in 2008... I addressed, I participated along with Yolanda Adams, with T.D. Jakes, Rick Warren, in his inaugural ceremony at St. John's Episcopal Church in 2008. I read from the Gospel of Luke. And then, years later, uh, the uh, former president, President Trump, invited me to do the same. So I spoke both for Obama and Trump. So for all you haters out there going, look, he's partisan. Yeah, I'm, part yeah, I'm partisan, all right. It's called the Lamb's Agenda, baby. Um, I'm sold out to Jesus. I don't buy the whole... We, Party, worship, worship the party. I worship Jesus. But I don't compromise biblical truth. So I, when, when I was invited by the, our former president, you all know the story about what happened. For 11 years, that name wasn't mentioned on that stage. And it wasn't just Democrats, by the way. Republicans and Democrats made an agreement that in order to reach out to more Americans, that name was not going to be mentioned because that name is offensive to certain groups that don't believe in that name. So for 11 years, a bunch of political operatives, both sides of the aisle, got together and decided, we're going to do away with referencing that name. So whoever is invited to pray needs to use generic terms. I should know. I was in the midst of this. Don't forget. And the terms we were told to use were air, love. If we're going to go God, try to avoid God, try to say faith instead, but go God. But don't say the name. So when I went up there, and I was told, not by the operatives now, by certain other Washington insiders, uh, who said, Sam, don't say the name, please. If you're going to do this, first of all, don't do it. Second, if you are going to do it, please don't say the name. And they actually said, don't say the name. Just like that, don't say the name. And the person who told me wouldn't even say the name. Just said, don't say the name. And I said, Eva? No, not that name. Because <laughs> you're dressed like an equestrian. I love you. I'm like, this is like beautiful. I love it. I'm like, this is beautiful. You're... So, that's my wife, by the way. Anybody here in the audience for the first time? So when I went up there, I went, God, what am I, you know, and did I struggle about, did I think, somebody should ask, no one has ever asked me, did you think about not saying the name? No one has ever asked me. Ask me, Pastor Michelle. Of course not, stop it. 
stop being selfish. No, but I did struggle on how. So I did struggle like, should I generically incorporate it somewhere in the middle or not enough? You know, I, I wanted to be nuanced, whimsical, very, you know, eclectic, embrace the whole world, kumbaya, hug everybody. I went up there, Holy Spirit hit me. Holy Spirit said, I made you for this. So I went up there with fear and trembling. So help me God, right beforehand, we were negotiating a Hollywood contract for our family to be in a television series. Do y'all remember that, a television series, Lauren? We were, Lauren and Nathan came out, the producers interviewed them on a call and all that, did stuff. And we were about, and I was told, you do this, your, your contracts are canceled. This is before breakthrough movie, all of that. So your Hollywood's going to shut down on you. You're going to lose doors. If you mention the name, you're going to lose doors. And so I went up there, and this passage, really? Really? Because I knew who was watching. You always have to know your audience. Always be cognizant of your audience in life. As a parent, know that your family and your children are your audience. As a husband, know that your wife and your children are your audience. As a leader, and even as a follower, know that you always have an audience. Every human being has an audience. Be aware of your audience. So I knew that this was going to be transmitted on the BBC, CNN International, not just in Christian nations, but secular nations and even nations that do not follow Christianity, of other religious groups around the world, including all of the Middle East, all of South Asia. They would transmit live this inauguration. So when I went up there and finished and looked at the cameras, the Holy Spirit just filled me in, like an Elijah and said, now, this is what I put you on this planet. Do it. If you don't mention the name and it's about Samuel Rodriguez, it's about your name. People are going to remember you but not me. Do it. Right before, I, I don't think I shared this testimony on a live stream. This part. Right before I went up there, do your due diligence. The FCC, I think it was CBS, a football player scored a touchdown. And one of the, the FCC, they, they were about to go to a play. A television network beeped. They bleeped out because the football player wanted to give the name glory. So they bleeped him because I want to give all the honor and glory to beep. So the same networks that permit curse words bleeped the name of because it was offensive. So there was already articles about how the FCC was turning towards bleeping that name because it was offensive. It made people feel uncomfortable. So I finished up, looked at the cameras, and y'all remember, if not, just here on YouTube, looked straight and said, and I make this prayerful declaration respectfully, and I said, and I had everybody right here, here's the Obamas, here are the Clintons, they weren't happy, here, here. the Bidens were here. Trumps were here. I literally sat behind the bushes, so I hid behind the bushes. So help me, I'm not making that up. True story. I hid behind the bushes. I really was. I come up here, Congress, the Supreme Court with their funny hats. Congress was here. And audience here, 1.1 billion people around the world. And I looked up, the Holy Spirit just said, do it. Do it, son. Do it. Go ahead. Just do it. I got you. 
And I said, I was thinking about my children. I was. I was thinking about my children and my children's children. What's the legacy going to be? The guy who shriveled up and stood quiet? The guy who, guy who bowed down to political correctness? The guy who worshipped Baal or the guy who had faith? So I said, make this prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ. Go ahead, watch it on YouTube. The president said, amen. The moment the president, both Democrats and Republicans, said amen. Congress said amen. The audience said amen. From all around the world, I got text messages. I got messages, Pastor Sam. Oh my gosh, oh my God. You said Jesus. We were in London and you said Jesus. In Australia, you said Jesus. I got Pakistan. You said Jesus. Muslim nations, you said Jesus. Indonesia, Malaysia, you said Jesus. Everybody responded and said, dude, you said Jesus. And because you said it, they couldn't bleep you. They couldn't stop you. They couldn't cover you. They couldn't detain it. Jesus was mentioned. Why did people react like that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, there is still... There is still power in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout the name. Somebody praise the name. Somebody say the name. Somebody lift up the name. Stand with me. You're already standing. Every knee shall bow. And by the way, all the doors opened after that. Everything opened up afterwards. Everything that was supposed to be closed actually opened up. Because God, God honors. God honors when you speak truth with love. What if I tell you that your silence may be deterring your favor? Complacency is the enemy of favor. If you're comfortable, if you're in the spirit of conformity, when you speak truth with love, favor lands on you. He said the name. And he didn't have the name that we have. He had the historical background of the name. But not the actualization, the incarnation of the name. We have it. No, you missed it. Elijah didn't have Jesus. He didn't have the name of Jesus. We do. No, you missed it. The guy didn't even have the full name. And fire came down. Imagine what should be coming down from heaven when the church who has the name prays in that name and lives in that name and worships in that name. Colossians 3.17 says, everything you do, do in the name of Jesus. Imagine all over your life, everything you do in Jesus' name. Again, you don't have to like walk into Starbucks and can I have a latte in Jesus' name? It's just weird. <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean with your life, that you live a kind of life where you love people, where you're the healer. When people are sad in your job, you come around and you just, just by your presence, joy shows up. Where you speak affirming words to everyone. Where you tell them they have purpose. Oh, but I messed up. I, I did so many bad things. You tell them, oh, but do you know about the blood of Jesus? Oh, 
Oh, he covers every single sin. You're fine. God has purpose for you. Keep on telling people around you that God has purpose for their lives. That he'll turn water into wine. Tears into joy. Pain into praise that he makes all things beautiful. Say the name. Every knee shall bow. Good and bad. Every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So show up, speak up, and stand up with the name. And show up and speak up and stand up with the fire of the Holy Spirit. It was all about the fire. Somebody say fire. fire. Adam and Eve failed in the garden and God protected the garden with sword on fire. When Moses first heard the word of God, God's voice, it was through a bush that was set on when Gideon assembled his army to confront the Midianite marauders, they carried a pitcher, and inside the pitcher was a torch that was set on. When the Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel refused to bow, God showed up and protected them in the midst of a furnace filled with why fire, Hebrews 12, 29. Our God is a consuming. And for all the theologians out there, it doesn't say our God is like a consuming fire. It says our God is a Another version reads, our God is a devouring fire. Holy fire changes everything. Fire precedes favor. You can't experience the favor of God unless you first encounter the fire of God. The fire of God purifies you, sanctifies you and me. The fire consumes. Are you open to God in the next six weeks, the next five weeks that are left, four weeks left, four and a half weeks after 40 years over are you open for God showing up in your life with his fire and removing whatever he needs to remove and to prepare you for his favor the fire came and then came the rain in that order the rain was the favor of God the fire precedes the rain are you willing for God to show up in your life and remove from your thoughts and your relationships from your life from your habits from you from your prejudices and biases even about yourself are you willing for the Holy Spirit to consume and devour whatever needs to be consumed? If you are, raise your hand. I have discovered in my life, all honesty, I know it's been half a comedy sketch here today, but I want you to hear me. Every time I ask God for favor, he reminds me, you sure? I go, what do you mean? He goes like, you know what has to happen first. What do you mean, God? Damn. You are my favor. You know my fire comes before my favor. Old Testament, New Testament. Matthew 3, 11. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John talked about Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So fire comes before the favor. Lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're, we showed up today just like Elijah showed up. We show up, we speak up, we stand up with an invisible plurality, with the name that is above all other names, fully cognizant of the fact that the fire precedes the favor. That's how we show up today. We receive your word. We're asking you, don't make this, by the way, if you have your hands raised, after this prayer, say amen only if you mean it. Ready? Heavenly Father, send your fire in my life. Sanctify me. Purify me. Holy Spirit, do what you have to do. Make room in my life. Begin with me. In my heart. In my emotions. In my thoughts. 
in my mind, in my actions, begin in me. And then set my family on fire. Sanctify my home. Sanctify my relationships. Sanctify my generation. Sanctify my community. Sanctify my followers, my friends. Do it, Lord. Send your fire. Make room for the favor that is coming my way. In the name of Jesus, now say amen. amen. Give God the best shout of praise you've given him. If you got this word, raise your hand.